Welcome back, everyone, to Top Drawer Podcast. Adam and Alex back with you. Uh, it is Match Week 19. The dust has settled from just an absolute firecracker of a Northwest Derby between Liverpool and Manchester United. I think everybody hopefully is awake after that. Um, if not, no one's going to hold it against you. Um, but there was more, thankfully. That wasn't the only match on this week. So there was more to talk about. We got some thoughts. We got some opinions. Um, but I think it's only fitting, uh, being that you are a mank, and I'm uh, uh, an idolized or idolized to be a scouser yeah. on uh, Premier League weekends. That we start with that absolute shit show that was uh, Liverpool United. Your thoughts? Absolutely dreadful of a match, uh, both from an outsider's perspective. I was watching it with a buddy of mine, and uh, you know, constantly when you watch football with a non-football fan, you have to constantly explain to them how nil-nil draws are very rare, honestly, in the Premier League, and games are actually quite fun and energetic. Of course, this is the match I show him to right the best derby derby in the in the country, and this is what I get to show for it. Um, but you know, I I thought that both teams probably did what they wanted to do defensively. I know United set up and were very focused on making sure we shut down anything that came into the box. Um, Liverpool did just fine on their own uh, with two midfielders sitting at center back. Um, I think United had the better chances all around, although the scoreboard, 0-0. Nobody could put it in the back of the net, so having the better chances doesn't really mean jack shit unless you make the net ripple. Um, You know, wanted more. I was happy to see Fred start, which I called last week. You know, take that to the bank. So now all my predictions come true. Um, But uh, no, I mean, it was a boring game to watch. I will say one thing that I found fascinating about my own feelings, and maybe we'll get into the in-depth a little later. I was never, after the first Liverpool attack on our back line, I was generally, I never had a concerned feeling. Generally, when I watch Manchester United, even if we're playing Burnley or Wolves or West Brom, if they're coming into our box with the ball, I'm like just pit in my stomach. Like, what's Maguire going to do now? Is Shaw going to trip somebody in the box? What's going to happen? After the first wave of attacks for the first five minutes was defended off fairly easily, ne- never throughout the game or throughout the game, I never had another feeling of concern in a Liverpool's attack. Now yeah, there no- was only there was only I mean two maybe offhand for me. Yeah, that I can think of. That that really were asking questions. I mean, it was it was sparse, mm-hmm. absolutely sparse. But I mean, go ahead, keep keep unloading. Don't let me yeah. don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I, I hate people that say uh, uh, a team deserved points when nobody scored or or when they lost. I, so I'm not going to say that here. I went to almost write that down and I scribbled it out and said, Alex, you don't even believe that. Um, the points were shared, and I think that's probably rightfully so. Um, Liverpool need to give big props up to Allison, kept him in the game for those two chances in the second half. Um, but I will say Liverpool, I mean, they had the possession. They had technically more chances, but Firmino not putting balls on target, whipping them on e- on either side of the post or skying them, uh, Salah coming in for a couple half volley, jump in the air bangers that you know just shoot outside the cop. More chances, more possession don't always equal better chances. I mean, that was true there. Um, but I, I don't know. I know there, there was a lack of creativity that it seemed like from Liverpool's side. 
United were doing their best just to scrape as many uh, counterattack chances as we could, as apparently that's how we like to play now. Um, but no, I, I think there's something that to look at Liverpool and say, where does this creativity come from? Or where is the lack of creativity coming from? Is it formation? Is it tactics? Is it players on the pitch or, or lack thereof? Um, I don't know. I, I think that's something that they need to be concerned about specifically. Um, I saw a thing today, and it made complete sense, to be fair. So Liverpool's front three haven't gone up against actual senior center backs in, like, months. So it's no wonder they can't score goals in a real match when they're playing actual center backs is because they're used to playing against children or midfielders back there. So that's that makes sense to me, and that's just what I'm going to go with then. I mean, that's, like, that's, a, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting statistic, so, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, no, so I mean... It's kind of a chicken or the egg thing from the Liverpool standpoint. You know, a lot of people saying, well, Liverpool need to buy. They might not need to buy defenders. They're they're defending rather well. They need they need a forward. They need a this. They're they're not being creative, which they're not. They're not scoring goals. Um, but at the same time, when you have Jordan Henderson and Fabinho, who play deep and allow that uh, solid presence in the midfield to exist to allow your forward midfielder and then your forward line to go forward, Mm -hmm. you've removed that now. So now they're in the back. And so there's that gap in the midfield. Where, where, to be fair, I mean, defensively, it's been marshaled pretty well for the season. Then the other part is, you know, Van Dyke and even Gomez. I mean, Gomez isn't, you know, Pirlo back there, but Van Dyke can play the ball like you expect Fabinho to play the ball and like Henderson does. So it's like an extension of the midfield, and that's how mm-hmm. they play. You know, with the wings pressing forward and your defenders split wide and your six kind of drops into that forward hole between your two wide center backs that Jurgen likes to deploy, you have really these, like, roaming pivots, but it's not a midfield pivot. It's your center backs, whether it's Matip or Gomez. Every once in a while when those... Like you see a lot when Liverpool hold possession in a in a an opposition's half for an extended amount of time, the opposition will allow them to circle it back along the defenders and the six, and then eventually at some point they're so I don't want to say pinned back, but they're so set defensively mm-hmm. back that you'll see one of the center backs, and they still do it now, whether it's Henderson or whether it's Fabinho, they'll start to press the ball forward to make a defender step up, mm-hmm. right? Because the center backs, like like Van Dyke, and because he has to play there now, Fabinho have that in their locker, that they can make a dribble, they can take someone out. Now, no, I'm not going to ask them to make, you know, marauding runs into the box. Right. But in those moments where we've been in the final third and we're not getting it unlocked and we need to pull them out, we can do those things. So there's an offensive presence that's being missed from our back line, mm-hmm. which you have to ask, does that impact what's happening at the front of it? Yeah, I mean, I think we brought that up last week, uh, missing Van Dyke specifically and having to lo- – not only do you lose what is basically a center back with midfield talents, um, but now we're taking a midfielder and trying to – we're bringing him out of position to put it at the back for defensive purposes. So we're losing midfield's – a midfield presence kind of somewhere on the pitch, whether that's in the backfield per se with Van Dyke or in the midfield. 
Um, I think uh, Danny uh, Fig in my bottom, whatever the hell his yeah, name yeah. is. Yeah, Danny Figs in my bottom. Uh, yeah, um, I think he's he he said it uh, after the match. You know, with, with having two midfielders and specifically Fabinho and uh, uh, Hendo back there, what it does is it takes what is normally a massively high line that Liverpool likes to play. Like I'm talking a high line to where we're past the halfway line type of high line, and it pins back the defenders. And so when you lose almost your entire back line, especially Van Dyke, it kind of just even subconsciously makes you want to take a step back because you may not be as confident having Fabinho. I'm not saying this tactically. I'm saying maybe Fabinho and Hendo take a step back and don't play as high up as they could, or at least as the formation allows them to because they don't want to get beat. Because the last thing they need is have to get a 38-year-old Hendo in a foot race from the halfway line as the last defender back. So by playing a little bit further back, it allows teams to reset if they do take the ball off Liverpool when they're in the opposition box. And allows the defense to hoof it downfield and reset a little easier than would be if there was a whole, almost 10 players pushing them straight up. Into now, let's, now, let's be fair. Jordan Bryan Henderson is not 38, okay? Yeah, whatever. I, I, I get what you're saying. But, no, I mean, to be fair, though, Jurgen hasn't changed defensively. And, and that's been a point of criticism throughout the season where there's been some leaks. Um, and to be fair, there hasn't been many with this patchwork defense. Uh, that was how the goal was scored against Aston Villa's daycare, right? Mm-hmm. Reese Williams was up forward and he just got caught on the turn and he couldn't make the, so they've, you know, are they executing the high line as well? No. So they might, I agree. They probably know their limitations and their, uh, the acumen, I guess, you know, yeah. it's not about what you know. A lot of times it's about knowing what you well, don't, which know. is smart, but if there's not a change in, in formation or maybe not even formation, but a, a tactical change to, to complement that idea, then I think there's going to be gaps places yeah, where you, you there, where be, you didn't normally expect there to be a gap. You can't be half wet, right? You right. can't be kind of pregnant. So and, you're playing a high line or you're not, because if you're like, well, we won't, we're playing a high line, but I got to be careful. Well, you're going to get pinned, mm-hmm, right? You're, right. you're going to, you're going to leave a leg back and you're going to be late stepping up and they're going to hit you on the counter. Right. Now, there was the two time the two chances I mentioned. One was a really good piece of vintage Liverpool play where it was pretty quick out the back. I believe it was a switch from Trent to yeah, Robertson. It was the mispass out on switching play and it hit at Trent and he brought it back. And Robertson Robertson kept the one I'm talking about. He he changes he changes the pitch and Robertson runs up the wing and Firmino oh my gosh, I said it and I hate it. Firmino is just cutting right down the center of the box, mm-hmm. and Robertson wh- whips in one of those patented crosses, and Firmino just misses getting a square foot on it yeah. at the far post. Yeah, it was great, and it was fleeting throughout the rest of the match. It hadn't been there much prior. Um, that, but that you know, I said to some friends in the group chat, I go, oh, "That was a good bit right there. That's what we want to do. Those are the things that we need to that we need to keep trying." And then the other one was Tiago at a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the second half. He was towards the top left of the box, and he kind of just steps around Fred, and he just didn't get his foot around it yeah. enough to pull it into that top corner. Yeah, and- De Gea makes a nice high save. Um, but it was a good shot. Those were pretty much the, the two only shots. Now, it's weird because 
you know, Salah's got a lot of goals, more penalties than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue is when you watch him play, it's not even so much what the numbers say. You know, Liverpool's second in the league in goals, I believe. Um, I'm doubting myself on that because Leicester just played. So now what does that do? But my point is, as I look this up to fact check myself, is regardless of what this is going to tell me, it, what am I seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Does it look like they're playing like they used to, like they have? Yeah, so no, Liverpool's first. They have 37 goals this year. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it at all. And the best way to describe it for me um, is two years ago, not even last year so much, two years ago when they were flying high, especially through the Champions League, uh, when they finished second and they, they won the Champions League. Every time there was a pass that needed to be made, it was made. Every time a shot needed to be taken on the first touch or right away, it was made. And that's really between the front three. The way they played two years ago, the beginning of last year, and even the end of three years ago when they lost to Madrid, was it was so it was so succinct, right? There was never, all right, I'm going to try this take on real quick, and it's not there. Okay, I'm going to look for a pass. They knew in those instances, okay, I might be able to take this play around, but there's the pass right there. And it was just, that pass was always made every time. And, and, it, and it worked. And I'm not putting this on Salah. I'm not putting it on Mane. I mean, the, the other side of it is half the time, Bobby, when he's in the box, he's, almost looking too much for that pass. Put your fucking foot through it, man. Mm-hmm. Just just do it. And so there's this weirdness about them. And we saw at the beginning of the year when Jata was healthy. Yeah. That, that intrinsic, I know what needs to be done, whether it's be ruthless or make this pass or make this selfless run, he was doing it. And that's what was so great about Liverpool two years ago. For some reason, it's not it's not there right now. Some of the play that we talked about recently has been an issue where they've been playing it wide. Trent's been poor all season. Um, and Liverpool's game plan has been playing it wide. Now, I'm sure a lot of that is because they don't have the midfield pieces yeah. they want. Fabinho's not in there. Henderson isn't in there half the time. Uh, you know, Naby Keita, per usual, is not fit. Mm-hmm. Tiago hasn't been fit until recently. You know, Shaq Chata's always out. injured. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so surprised that he started this week because we did we talk mm-hmm. about it. It's like yeah. he plays once and like I you he's, get all excited as a Liverpool fan and then you just they don't even tell you he's hurt. He's just not on the team he, sheet. And then he, next week they're like, yeah, he was hurt. Duh, he bumps he his shin week. getting into the ice bath and now his knee's the size of a cantaloupe. You know how this works. He yeah. played last week. He's hurt this week and then you'll so, see him in eight. Let me let me say two things one is like so in the last three matches in the premier league uh liverpool a have only scored one goal it was against west brom now to be fair that one goal was from sadio mane from the top three from the front three um but but behind that you have the seven nil win against crystal palace the two one win against tottenham and then the one one draw against fulham all three of those games have goals from the top three now the one one draw at fulham was a penalty that that salah scored but nonetheless so the last three, we have one goal out of three games in general, and that one goal scored by one of your front three. And then 
and then the last three games prior to that in December, there's, I think, uh, seven goals scored, six or seven goals scored by the front three out of like 13 goals scored in total. Um, and, and I don't really know what I'm getting with with that with those stats, but it's interesting to see almost the turn of the year, kind of. It, basically, from Boxing Day before, front three are scoring, Boxing Day after. But the difference is Boxing Day and after, you're talking West Brom, Newcastle, and Southampton. Versus prior to Boxing Day, when you're scoring all these goals, Fulham, Tottenham, Crystal Palace. Now, Tottenham's probably the only good team out of that three. I don't know, but it, but it's interesting to see this slowdown from the front three. Um, and I mentioned this uh, a, a month or two ago, uh, I think in November or something, we were starting to see Liverpool kind of uh, slip and not look like how they did at the end of last year or even just all through a last year. Uh, th- it feels like there's a mental like tiredness happening here that there's, there's a lack of creativity. Not that they're not creative players. Cause we know that they are the Mane's and the Firmino's and the, and the um, Salah's of the world. But it's almost like we're running the same system. We've been doing it at 150% successfully for the last two and a half years. And it's this idea of constantly having to know, do I lay off? Do I do a little flake? Do I do a back heel? Do I try to chip? Am I crossing the ball? So that all this, this brain power that is required from these high-level athletes, I don't know, it feels like that's putting a strain on A, it's monotonous. It's very monotonous. We don't change the system. Everybody plays every week. And, you know, we're working hard, we're professionals, but, you know, that's got to wear on you to a point where it's monotonous. And then at the same time, it's also all this work and we're doing it over and over again and not changing because it's successful. I get that, but that's got to wear a little bit. And I I feel like that's starting to show cracks in the armor is almost, we're almost too perfect, right? that That it's hard to sustain. I, you know, I would almost attribute that more to prior to Van Dyke's injury. You know, Liverpool had given up. A lot of goals, obviously seven of them to Aston Villa prior to Virgil getting hurt. Mm. I think it was like 14. Maybe it was a little less than that. Um, But since then, they haven't. Um, But what I would probably offer to that is, you know, prior to Virgil getting hurt, you know, it's hard. You know, these guys, you know, you, you have this carrot on a string that Liverpool had and... You know, they got the Champions League, which was great, but everyone knew what they were really chasing. Mm. And that was, you know, the 19th league title and the first Premier League title. And so to lose by a point, you know, only like harden their resolve to then come back and just absolutely blow away the, the rest of the league, have it wrapped up for all intents and purposes by March. I mean, this is technically the one year anniversary of when Liverpool sang you're going to win the league when you and I were at McGee's with mom mm-hmm. and Liverpool won two nil. Um, so all, like you're saying all of that and it's all the same. And, but you know, that carrot's not on the end of the stick. And True. so we kind of saw that at the beginning. Now at the same time, these guys are professionals and, and when you read and you hear about who Klopp is and what he, you know, the type of players they want to bring in and stuff like that. As a Liverpool fan, I was always confident that it would be righted. Now that, when I say that, I don't mean that I was confident that it would get fixed and we would win the league. Like, I felt like that, you know, that was, and I still feel like we'll win the league. Um, looking at a team that has been Swiss cheesed and we're only now dropped to fourth place, hmm. you know, from some uh, a very admitted bad stretch. What I'd say now is I think the frustration is coming from that front three 
because they're not getting the service the way the system dictates. And that's because of this defensive crisis that has that has shortened the midfield. Um, last year and the year prior, Carlo Ancelotti seemingly was the first person to figure out um, really the best way to kind of put the brakes on this Liverpool team, which is to cut off Robertson and Trent on the wings. Don't let them get forward and pin them back as much as you can so they can't get forward as much. And I think that's why you see Liverpool, you know, they went and signed Kaita, uh, but then they got Thiago as well, right? Thiago is completely a square peg round hole if you look at it from 100 miles away, mm. at how Liverpool have built a team. He's also one of the best midfielders in the world, so who gives a shit what's, right. what He'll shape the hole out. is? Right. You know, you get that talent like that, and you put him in. Um, you know, someone like Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's always hurt, but at the same time, doesn't create from the center. So when you have those pieces missing, he doesn't create from the center, but he can still drive forward and he can still command attention. You have all, you know, Ox just came back, Kaita's hurt, Shaq's been hurt, Tiago, you know, I've said it till I'm blue in the face. So when they're not there, what do you do, right? You have Curtis Jones, who's, who's you know, shown himself well for a 19-year-old kid getting his first real PL time, but he's a 19-year-old kid getting his first real PL time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a spade is a spade, right? And you've got Gini Vinaldum who can score goals, but he's not your midfield creator. And so how do you do it? What do you do? And, and there's, there's something to be said, and we'll move off Liverpool and we'll start talking about United here in just a second. And, but there's something to be said about not buying a center back here at this window. And because one, how long is it going to take to get him acclimated, right? What are we going to do? Are we going to give him? I mean, technically, our, our our defense has been playing well. Are we just going to drop him in and then have him figure it out over the next six to seven weeks? Hope he figures it out on schedule, and we don't lose three on the bounce or something. Or you know, just let it be. And you know what? From the way FSG Fenway Sports Group has manage this club as an ownership group from having a plan that took them from sellers to be buyers to we know what we want now. And if the cost, you know, is beneficial to what we think this will give us, we're going to do it. We'll Hmm. buy Jata for 41 million because it's an investment down the road. So as a Liverpool fan, I'm starting to come to the point where, look, who thought we would have this big of an injury crisis, right? No senior center backs. Probably should have prepared a little better for it after Lovren left, but okay. Don't mortgage the future to, on a, on a whim, try and, I don't want to say try to win the league because that sounds defeatist, but you get what I'm kind of saying? Yeah. Don't do something that's out of your character for what your plan is. Don't deviate, right? right? Because this is a long game, right? You want, to, you want to be set up for the next year because you're going to have Van Dyke back. You're going to have Gomez back. You may have Matt Tip back, right? So don't deviate. This is, this is not micro. This should be macro. And so, you know, obviously top four, you can't fall out of that. Yeah, but. I mean, agreed. I, I think just, just quickly that I don't think it would be too out of pocket to have gone out in January and bought an $18 million defender from 
from the championship or from like Marseille or something, something for 15 months, just as something to go, you know what, in case, we, you know, God forbid, I know or, yes. or Fabinho get hurt. I need somebody that you isn't a, literally bodies. a 12 year old. Yeah. That, I understand. Yes. You do need warm bodies, but you look at Costa Simicus who we bought for, um, cover for Robertson who hasn't started a Premier league match. Mm. He was hurt. He had COVID a little bit, but it hasn't happened. Right, Klopp isn't going to just put you in because he bought you. And the other thing is, who are you getting for eighteen million? I mean, to be fair, I mean Nat Phillips and Rice William and Reese Williams have done well enough. I mean, that's probably about what an eighteen million dollar defender is going to give you. And on top of that, he's not going to be familiar with your system. So I don't know. The we'll see. We'll see. The window's not closed. I'm not holding my breath for it. No. However, looking uh, looking to the other side of the pitch, United, where aware has my Fernandez gone? Mm. Apparently, because, he's not tired. So Ali says, "Oh uh, well, he's something against these t- these big six clubs because he does not show up." Yeah, I mean, we saw that at with the Man City game in the EFL Cup. Um, week or two ago um and then with liverpool and, e- and even before then we see him not be as proficient as he is with any other of the 14 teams in the league um it, not to say that he's not there i i think it i think it takes a little a little more to put the team on your back when you have to slam into the brick wall that is a liverpool or a man city um but no i i don't know i he was there that game, though. I will say, as as dreary as that game was to watch, I mean, the, our first real attempt on goal was his free kick that I think Allison had covered and just creeped outside the uh, um, the uh, outside post. Yeah, I think it was a little further out from the camera, but yeah, I mean, it yeah. was dangerous. It had pace, and it was... Um, and I mean, Bruno had uh, uh, Luke Shaw dive into the byline. He had the first save from Allison. Luke Shaw pulled it back to about the penalty spot where Bruno was, and he tried to beat Allison at what I suppose you can call his near post. It was pretty 50-50. Um, I mean, he was there. He was doing some switch plays, doing some stuff, but it wasn't the Bruno that you see at Wolves or that you yeah. would see for West, at West Brom or, or what have you. Um, what about Pogba? Pogba had a chance at the near post in the second half that was saved by Allison. What was your take on on that chance from him? He did. He he should have done better. He hit Allison square in the chest. I mean, um, a lot of that is Allison's positioning was fantastic. He got himself across the goal very quickly to get in position to guard his near post. Pogba needs to do better. If you're going to try to beat the keeper on the near post, that needs to that ball better almost touch the near post. If you're going to try to beat him there. Or so, put it in the roof of the net. Put it across yeah, his I, face. Something. I agree. He should have done better. However, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And there was a comment on the page from one of our followers that I mentioned this that if you watch from the goal angle, Fabinho, you know, came flying in mm-hmm. across the box to. I, now he wasn't a brick wall. You could have threaded it, but I mean, yeah. really closed down Pogba's options. And like you said. As that's coming, I'm sure all he wanted to do was just softly put it across the keeper's face. Mm-hmm. As that's closing down, and then, like you said, Allison's positioning is as good as it could be. In that moment, he could only go to 
Yeah, and I mean, having said that, I would rather him put it into the post or outside the post than squarely into a keeper. Right. Yeah. I mean, and he he's kind of drifting away, side footing. I mean, I I'm no, you know, professional athlete. I probably couldn't even got it on target. But you know, he needs. I think he does need to do better there. Um, I thought he had for as best as you can in that game a very very good game for. This is going to sound weird, Pogba standards, because he's a very on off player, as we all know. And I think he was switched on. I mean, not to the level that was needed to win the game, but I think he was, I think he had like a seven out of 10 average game, but for that type of game, as it was uh, scrappy is not the right word. It was just eh, a game. I think he had one of the better uh, uh, performances there, at least from the United side. Um, I don't know. I I had said, we said at the beginning, uh, Fred started, which I had predicted. I, 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 he's a man that will always put a shift in. And you can rely on him if you, even it's not necessarily defensive or offensive. It's just if you got if you want somebody in the midfield who's going to work his ass off for ninety minutes. Just yeah, put he did a there. good job. He did a good job in moments um, in transition and not allowing Liverpool in a couple instances to get out. Um, but you mentioned earlier that you know counterattacking, which is seemingly where United are putting their head. From a United perspective, did you come away from that match feeling like you should have you should have been doing more? Not not had more. Not I'm not saying, you know, deserved more, but did you come away feeling like, boys, we're we're top of the table. Hmm. Let's get out and stretch some legs and play some you know, we're a pretty decent side as well. Let's let some horses run a little bit. Let's let's take it to them on our terms, not just when it breaks. Yeah, no, I, I definitely did feel that way, especially in the first half. First half, I think the percentage was like it was like seventy-five to twenty-five percent possession. It was absolutely ridiculous. But you could see when a true counterattack would break that okay, yeah, we can do one touch passing, we can do nutmegs down the wings, we we can get the ball from our box to the other box in very short order and very clinically. And then you go, Okay, why can't that happen on a larger scale of the entire first half or the entire game? Um, I think a lot of that got cor- corrected may not be the right word. I think it got addressed in the second half um, that was also aided in Liverpool opening up and trying to be a little more expansive uh, with their play. And that, that aided in our ability to open up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I we you see United do this a lot, especially away from home. Uh, the first half is one where it's almost like, all right, we got a defensive plan. Attackers, you guys just kind of, if you get the ball, you know, go go towards the opposition goal. And then by halftime, everyone's gotten their notes and they've gone, okay, here's what we're going to do. I got a plan now. It's like, you know, you should maybe start with a plan and then adjust as you go and not just go, let's see what they got for 45 minutes and then use the next 45 minutes to actually play a game of football. That's how it feels. Um, I mean, I don't expect to go toe to toe with Liverpool. You guys are the champions. You're. Far and away, you and Man City are the best teams in the league just in, in, in quality of play, per se. Um, so I don't expect to go 50-50 percentage of the ball with you. I think we have to understand our realistic shortcomings. And so if that means we have to defend for, we you know, we have to give up 60-65% possession and defend a little bit more than I would like to, fine. I don't want it 80-20. That's too much. Yeah. That's, that's Burnley ball, and that's not what we play. Yeah. Last thing. And this is a little pop quiz for you. 
when I I'm going to I'm going to repeat a sentence to you and I want you to tell me what you think the sentence means. Okay. No less than 1 minute added. <laughs> uh how many seconds do you think should encompass this minute? Uh if I had to guess and this is just shot in the dark probably 60 seconds give or so, take five so or so definitely definitely no less than 60 seconds yeah, would that, would be a true equal of a sentence to no less than one minute because that would be my general uh, i was assumption. confused because sadio mane made a great run at the end of the first half and a ball was played in by tiago over the top at 45 minutes and 54 seconds and paul tyranny thought that that was suffice enough for a minute mm-hmm. let's blow the whistle while the ball is in the air mm-hmm. and as he blew the whistle the ball landed at Mane's feet uh, wasn't completely square on goal but he was a step and a half two steps beyond a defender and was on his way um so yeah i'm not great at math uh but i have a spot i have a i have a samsung smartwatch i call my spy kid watch because i need it to be smart because i'm 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 a simple man um, so I was a bit confused when I saw that. I figured I must be wrong. Hey, uh, when I saw that, I, I think I was getting up to walk out of the room at the moment, or, or I, was, I was looking up from the screen or something, and I heard the whistle blow. And so I looked back down just to make sure everything was copacetic, and I saw 45, uh, 54, and, I, and in my head I registered, it registered uh, 46, 54, which triggered right. a double take because I was like, it was only a minute of, how are we right. playing two minutes of extra time right now? Yeah. And I looked back down. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense. So that, uh, nope. Man, that Man United check cleared at uh, 45.50, and then he got the buzz in his ear, and he's like, oh, that's the end of the half. You know, those are the things that you can't even make an excuse for it. No. Uh, no less than one minute. Unless it is less than a minute, apparently. And I mean this for, that's a type of error and mistake. This isn't like, oh, they're missing penalties or they're giving away soft penalties. I mean, that's not subjective, Mm. right? That is a, of all the things in the league that are not hard and fast and well outlined. And because that rule in itself is not well outlined, right? Yeah. Except for one half of it, which is. It could be 30 minutes, but it's not going to be any less than yeah, one minute right. or two minutes. <laughs> and, and to just do that is just, and it happened in the worst time where Liverpool's presumed best chance of the match was mm-hmm. unfolding right there. So, yeah, you know, just another thing for, uh, apparently our checkbooks need to be fixed because we're Liverpool, right? So, yeah. I need to start seeing some fucking returns on that. that. Plus, you guys are actually making a profit on your football club, where we are not. So I don't know what's well, going on here. That's because we're not paying Alexis Sanchez to play the piano. We're playing him to play the piano in France somewhere, yeah, or well, Germany. I don't even know where the hell. No, he's in Italy. That's where he's at. He's at Inter, I think. Turin, Inter. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's let's move off our own soapboxes. We said there was other matches, and to be fair. There was one one sided. There was two two. Uh, there was one one sided, and then another match that went well, but not for the majority of people. Mm. That would be Wolves West Brom. We're not going to spend a bunch of time on it because we here at Top Drawer um, are ardently against West Brom uh, for the 
unceremonious and erroneous firing of Slavin Bilic. Indeed. But they did beat Wolves 3-2, and I would consider... Big Sam coming in. I would consider it a dereliction of my duty to our faithful listeners if I didn't address this, that what in the fuck, Nuno? I have been, like, trying and pleading and pulling for you all year, right? I get it, you know? You... You lost, um, what the hell was his name? Why did I just draw a blank? Who was their center back that they sold? Not Connor Cody. Nope. Uh, who was, oh my gosh, I'm going to come back to it. Uh, Raul Jimenez Jimenez fractured his skull. Thank God he's alive, but he's not on the pitch. Negative. Diego Jata, Diego Jata is gone. So I get it. They've lost a bunch. Adama Traore still isn't lifting weights. He's also not scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, they just they haven't got it figured out. And to lose to lose to West Brom is bad without Slavin Bilic. To lose three two to West Brom, ugh, to give up three goals to that team is just I I don't. It's unconscionable. So in the Premier League, uh, Wolves are one two three four five six. Six games without a win. Uh, their last win was against uh, <clears throat> Chelsea on the 15th of December. <laughs> we'll get to you guys in a Yeah, point. right, right. Go ahead and sit down. We're, we're coming. We're working our way to you. Um, yeah, I mean, Nuno, what, what's going on? I mean, he's got a couple of draws. One, one against Brighton 3-3. One against uh, Tottenham 1-1. But... Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty, yes, indeed. Yep. Couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep if I didn't figure that out. Um, but yeah, he, but I, you know, this doesn't make me feel good because I love the English Portuguese national team and I don't want to speak ill of them. Um, and I don't like West Brom. So we're going to get off that. This hurts us more than it hurts you, Nuno. Yeah. So the other, um, the other match this weekend that was of note really was, uh, Man City is continuing their upward climb. It seems like Mares is bagging literally every single week now. Yeah. Um, they beat Palace 4-0, and they're rolling. Most clean sheets. I think they've only given up 13 goals all season, which is the fewest. Um, they've got the old uh, the old center back pair figured out, haven't they? Well, and that's the scary part, right? I mean, for us non-City fans, um, it is one thing that we could – at least we thought we could rely on was, yeah, City is going to score a bunch of goals, but they're going to let in a bunch of goals with that rickety thing they call a defense. Um, not so, at least not anymore. Uh, they have that figured out. Um, out of the last five, they have four clean sheets, and and it the one that they gave up a goal was one goal to Chelsea, uh, which they ended up winning the game anyway. So, I mean, it, you know, I I'm terrified of when they actually get an out-and-out number nine that could score some type of goals. You know, a Gabriel Jesus, uh, Aguero coming back from a glass knee injury and now COVID protocols. You know, when, if Aguero crum, comes back and does what Aguero does, you know, I, I, I'm I, terrified of what they're going to do. I mean, they're sitting in, what, what do I got here? I got the league up. Sitting in third place, only three points off Leicester uh, in first, and they have two games in hand on Leicester. So that's not great. I mean, their top scorer is Raheem Sterling with five, Phil Foden with four, Goodwan with four, Riyad Mahrez with four, 
Their striker, Gabriel Jesus, has two goals, and he's sixth in line for just Manchester City scoring. John Stones is one, or it has the same amount of goals as Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're a problem. I mean, defensively, they've got it sorted, and they're not, they were lacking for goals in the beginning, but they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I think, um, and this isn't some giant revelation. It'll it'll be interesting to see how all clubs that are in Europe, um, how they deal when it comes back, um, what impact that has. You mm-hmm. know, do those goals dry up? Right? Does that defense get stretched then? Um, kind of like it was at the beginning of the season uh, for Man City, but you know, fork to my nose. Uh, no, I don't think it does. No. I think, I think they are, uh, they are the ones. And I think any book that you would go to would have them as the, the short money there. So yeah. they continue. I'm sure everyone's thrilled about that. There was a video I saw, uh, I don't know when it was from, but it was Pep Guardiola dancing and he looked like Mr. Bean. Yep. That made me feel a little bit better about myself. Um, but the other matches, which, Conveniently happened today. Today is Tuesday the 19th, hmm. which we also forgot to give predictions on. So let's just talk about them then. Oh, we're not good at that. Sorry, guys. Leicester, uh, they played Chelsea. They beat mm-hmm. Chelsea 2-0. And West Ham uh, beat West Brom 2-1. Battle of the Wests. It went 1-1, and then they came back, uh, and they, they retook the lead, doing the Lord's work. Mikel Antonio, two winning goals in the last two games. He's getting on. But the chosen one is finally, uh, finally being the chosen one. Are, you know, are they, are they still not allowing him in the park like they were at the? Because that's what happened at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Remember, Monsieur Moyes. They said, yeah, yeah. Fuck out of here, man. Turn on the Zoom. You, you can't be here. No, he's on the pitch. He's pitch side, and Watch whatever out. whatever he's got going on is working. Um, I don't know. I I. I don't make it a necessary point necessary point to watch West Ham games, but I might have to start. I mean, they are only what seventh in the table, but this is, I think, their best uh, uh, performing uh, performance in the league so far, up to the date, point wise, position wise. Um, so he's got them rolling, and uh, you know they're tied on points with Everton in sixth, um, and only so what do they have? Thirty two points, six points off first place. Yeah, so I think what's with them is they're they're solid. Right, they're mm-hmm. they're very sound for the most part. Um, you know, th- just some quick numbers. They've got seven clean sheets, which is tied for third in the league. Twenty-seven goals, which is tied for tenth. Um, but twenty-two goals, which is tied for sixth. You know, they, I think they have three goal scorers at five: uh, Suchek, Antonio, and the fifth or the third one is escaping me. But they're they're balanced. Right. Mm-hmm. It's again, like I said earlier, it's not so much what you know, but what you know that you don't know. Right. It's not so much what they're really good at, but where are the spots that they're not so great at? And let's insulate ourselves from these problems. They're playing within themselves, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if the end of the season last year was any indication of a late surge, and I think this has been two years running now. Mikel Antonio, I mean, he'll find those spots where he'll just. Start banging. Yeah. Right? I mean, he will just start grabbing goals by the bushel. He's been a goal scorer since he arrived uh, at West Ham back when 
Sam Allardyce by him back, what, four years ago, 2016? I think so. Uh, but he's been a goal scorer his entire, his entire career in the Premier League. It's just about forming a team around him that can get him the ball when he's up in the pitch. I think Jared Bowen is the uh, other guy at five. Bowen is the other one, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, I think it's, it's about a team that understands who they are and how they play and then playing into that. Don't let other teams suck you out into different formations and, and different ways of playing, play the way that you know to play and you're supposed to play. And I think the results will come and, and they have so far. Yeah. They, uh, I don't think, you know, anyone's really tipping them to look top four, top six is even still probably a stretch. Mm-hmm. depending on how things um, shake out. But again, some of these teams that are in Europe, you know, does someone take a tumble? And does West Ham stay level where they are and start to get the benefit of teams dropping mm-hmm. while, you know, they stay flush? And so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it. Um, the other one, Leicester, Leicester as well, uh, with their win today, move top of the table with uh, an extra game played. Indeed. But, you know, Brendan Rodgers finally gets the, uh, has beaten every team he's played in the Premier League, finally. He didn't finally. have a win over Chelsea. Yep. Don't fucking remind me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's got that off his back, you know, what is it, 2021? So about seven years too late. Yeah, well, I'll take it. But they're they're going, you know, the young boy Harvey Barnes, he's playing great. Madison, I think they're both level on six goals. Recruitment-wise, they just find players. James Justin is mm-hmm. just a, a revelation, and they've yep. been doing this. Ricardo Piera, uh, a, year, a year and a half ago, I think they brought him in. They just they find these guys that just work. And obviously everyone knows Mares and Vardy, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't a flash in the pan. I mean, they continue to just, okay, we'll lose one, we'll replace them with another. Mm-hmm. You know, here's one, there goes one, here comes another. And, yeah. and they're playing great. I mean, I think it's interesting because it's not just going out and, and and finding some, I don't know, some, some Mares talent or some talent from Marseille or from uh, Salzburg somewhere and getting some foreign talent too. They're also bringing up, people with the likes of James Madison, who has been with the club and been around the English leagues for, you know, his entire career, all of a sudden just starts, I mean, I say banging in goals. He's only got six, but it's when you f- see where his goals are coming from, uh, see the quality of the goals they are and how important they are in the situation. You know, they're, they're winners, they're first goals. They're, they're two, you know, you tied one, one 80th minute. He bangs in one from outside the box to take you in the lead. Um, and he's a leader on the pitch as well. So so they're consistently good at finding players both internationally but also also homegrown talent. Maybe not necessarily in their own in their own growth system at at uh Leicester, but but branching out and into lower divisions and bringing people up. Um I don't know. There it's it's something that that transcends the manager that they have there. Whether it's uh uh I don't know who they have whether they have Neil Warnock there or whoever they had no, beforehand. So or, yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know who the caretaker was after uh, Schmeichel uh, usurped uh, um, Claudio. Uh, Claudio, you know. yeah. So but the point is, it, it transcends that. It transcends a chairman dying. You know, whoever's pulling. I don't even know if it's a one person. It's it. It seems like it truly is uh, uh, an ideology, a culture within the club 
uh, that permeates through the fans, through the board, through whatever coach is there at any given time, and then the players on the pitch. Um, I don't know. They're a fun team to watch, and they're they're a fun team. They're let's say this: they're my favorite team to root for to win the league that isn't United. If United's not going to win the league a year, I'm here for Leicester. Let's let Leicester go. Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I think it's because it feels like there's no teeth in them from a fan point, mm-hmm. right? There's no pomp and circumstance and rivalry. Everybody likes Jamie Vardy, you know. I mean, so just just a few numbers to kind of mirror the ones that we had with West Ham. So also seven clean sheets, tied for third with West Ham and a host of others. 35 goals, second only to Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Uh, 21 goals against, tied for fifth. So they do have, I believe, the most penalties in the season. Yes, Uh, they do. They got a bunch. Um, But I've... You know, I picked Brendan Rodgers to be the first manager sacked. He's clearly probably not going to be fired this year unless he has just an absolute cataclysmic event happen where he loses nine in a row on the bounce. Which you were expecting since the start at some point. Which is Brendan Rodgers' tradition, to be fair. I mean, we saw it last year where they were the wet paper bag theory, right? It's going to... The bottom's going to come out at some point. Now, that also coincided with uh, Ricardo Piera getting hurt. So if I see James Justin go down with, you know, God forbid, some extended injury, I'm going to go, here it comes. Yeah. I've seen this movie. Just prepare everybody. Um, But I don't know. I, I don't feel so convinced anymore, I guess. Um, no, he, it looks like, uh, did you uh, hear uh, Madison's uh, post-match interview today? I did not. I saw it was... Um, oh, it was delightful. Enjoyable. Yeah, it was. I hate post-match interviews. I hate pre-match interviews. I hate post-match interviews from players or from coaches. I generally don't watch them because it's full of just coach speak, and they don't ever say anything that's important. And and he really didn't either, but it was very enjoyable to, to listen to him talk about, because he was captain in, of course. He's talking about the boys on the pitch, how they played, how they deserved the points, and then he's talking about the system and, and how the manager wants them to play, and everything was just perfect about it. But I think that stems not only from him being a great lad, uh, but from the system and the culture that Brian Rogers is trying to instill on them and in, in a team play, I think, because uh, Madison talked about, it. he said, we know who we are. And if we play who we are and how the boss wants us to play, we're going to win matches and we're going to be fighting for top spots. And he's like, as, as long as we play who we are, we're there. And so, I mean, that, that is truth if I've ever heard it for any team, really. But uh, it, it, it's nice to see people recognize that. It's a good shout. It's a good shout for sure. It is. It does make me wonder, though. You hear this narrative about Leicester that they're overachieving. You know that they're they're playing beyond themselves. You know, you mentioned Madison talking about playing almost within themselves as a team. You know, look up and down that roster one to one. Compare it with Chelsea. Tell me, Leicester doesn't have a better team. What I mean by that is. Not on paper, not who you think the player should be, but who they are. Who would mm-hmm. you take right now? And, and Leicester's, oh. they got a better team. Yeah, Leicester. I mean, even not because they're on points or whatever. If this started the season right now and everything's just been preseason leading up, give me Leicester all day, every day. And so, you know, that brings us to our good old buddy, mm. Frank Lampard. And so we're not going to take shots at Chelsea right now, but 
I just want to ask you a question. How many managers, real or pretend, can you think of that would have already been fired if their name wasn't Frank Lampard? All of them. (laughs) The limit Um, does not exist. Yeah, I mean, just in general, the last four, Conte, Hiddink, Jose even, uh, and then whoever was last, doesn't matter. Literally the last the last four managers all would have been sacked. And especially, this is the problem. I say it almost every week because I have to deal with Ale. I say it with people who I talk to on the street about football. I say it uh, to you. I say it here. Having a legend be your manager makes it incri- incredibly more difficult to when they're doing a shit job to get rid of them. Because you got to want to do it dignified. You don't want to do it at all. And... It literally just makes your team worse if they're doing a bad job. And generally, the statistics show they do a bad job. From, from November 29th, all right, they draw nil-nil with Spurs. Mm-hmm. They then beat Leeds 3-1. They lose 1-0 to Everton. They lose 2-1 to Wolves. They beat West Ham 3-0. They lose 3-1 to Arsenal on Boxing Day. Draw 1-1 to Villa. Lose 3-1 to City, beat Fulham 1-0, and then lose 2-0 to uh, Leicester. A 10-man Fulham at that. Yeah, I mean, they they are 8-5-6. and six. Hmm. I, I, It is unbelievable the amount of money that was spent. And do I think he should have already been gone? No. No, I think that'd be a bit too brash. Now, at the same time, this is Roman Abramovich. Well, we're talking this about. is the thing. So, like, I you if have we're to in the real politique world, right? Anybody would have been gone because Roman would have would have sacked him. And so that's kind of you know you got to take that into account. I mean, but nothing about them looks sure. You know, mm-hmm. the first part of the year with Kepa, they were just dog shit. Eduardo Mendy comes in; they have the lovely honeymoon, including uh, matches in Europe. And then that sheen starts to fade away. They're not getting any, anything out of Werner. Not a damn thing out of Werner. And it's he had a chance point, today that he was offside, and he got he finally put the ball in the back of the net, and he was offside, which is you know par for the course, I suppose. And at some point, it's got to land at the feet of the manager. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, you said goodbye. The whole footballing world said goodbye professionally to a legend in Wayne Rooney. And I I saw something very astute this weekend, and I thought it, it it really rang true that if he unfortunately in this scenario where he fails to get uh, Derby promoted this year, he's on track to be Chelsea's next manager, right? Because that's all Frank Lampard needed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Not get Derby promoted and Correct. then take the reins of Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, does he make it out of the season? Yes or no? I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. I I said this before we started recording, and it was a little kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I said I don't know if he survives the week. Um, There was a report that came out from a Chelsea insider earlier this week that if he lost this game, that he was it was not an it wasn't an if but a when. Um. Now, take that for what it's worth. I don't know who this insider was, and I don't know if he's any credible or not. But, you know, 
that that's going around the interwebs. And and to be fair, they their last you just went through the list of their of their last lineups or their last uh, uh, meetings, and and they're not. There's no results coming that's going to get them anywhere. They're in eighth place right now. Yeah, we have a bottleneck of points here. They're only nine points off first place, but eighth place with the likes of West Ham in front of them, uh, Everton, Tottenham, uh, Leicester, and so on. I mean, I don't, I don't know what. what who do they have next? They have so they've uh, got Wolves, Wolves, yeah. Burnley, Spurs, Sheffield, Newcastle, Southampton, and then United. So there's arguably three in there, I would say, are probably losses. Yeah, I mean, Wolves Southampton, is a tough one depending on what Nuno's doing. But I was going to say Southampton, Spurs, and United. Now, yeah. they might win one of them, but they're going to drop one that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to draw one. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, does Burnley do pull a Burnley? I mean, Chelsea's a team that Burnley seems like they're apt to take down. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if there's a 1-0, 2-0 Burnley win in there. Yeah, I mean, shit. I mean, do, do they draw Wolves and then lose 1-0 to Burnley and that's yeah. the and end then of they're the story? At, and then they have, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's the next loss. If there's not a win before it, he's gone. Yeah, I agree. If that's, I agree. If that's Wolves, that's Burnley. If that's Tottenham, I mean... If there's not if if they don't win Wolves and then they lose to Burnley or if they lose the Wolves right off the bat, I think he's gone. Well, Frank, if if that be the case, oh Frankie, we hardly knew ye. Yeah, um, go see uh, your buddy Stevie out in Scotland. Apparently, it's easier out there. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, hey, Phil Neville was going to he's going to America, so you know, go coach DC United or something. I don't fucking care. All right, well, let's uh, let's. Turn our eyes forward. Um, I also want to make a housekeeping note, I think. So last week we said that it was week 18 and also week one. I'm going to be completely forthcoming. I don't know if those were makeup matches now that I think about it. And I don't know much of anything anymore. Uh, We have two matches today that we forgot to pick that we just talked about. We have Mm -hmm. uh, a match coming up, two matches coming up tomorrow. Uh, which would be Wednesday, presumably when you are all listening to us, priming your pump, getting ready for midday PL action. Mm-hmm. We got one on a Thursday, one on a Saturday. It's just fourteen of them on next Tuesday. I don't. Not, I think nothing I, I, makes sense, and everything is pointless. I was looking. So if you look on, anybody can do this at home. Just Google like uh, uh, the Premier League uh, schedule, and then it pulls up and you do the drop down box. So today. Wednesday or Tuesday the nineteenth, it was week eighteen, and then it goes Man City play Villa uh, tomorrow Wednesday the twentieth, and that goes back to match week one again, and then tomorrow also it's match week eighteen still, and then after that on Saturday it's match week eleven Aston Villa for Newcastle, and then we go to match week twenty on Tuesday of the following week. So I, I'm going to just stop. We're going to stop titling stuff match weeks because I don't yeah. fucking know anymore. Glitch in the matrix. Yeah. So, and if any, so if my point is if any of you were listening and were like, no, those weren't makeup matches, learn to read a calendar. Yeah. Piss off, right? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Imply for the internship. You could have been yelling in my ear mm-hmm. real time. Could have. Anyways. Sorry, I'm getting a little defensive. Doesn't warrant that. Doesn't warrant that. So, 
Let's look. Let's let's do it. Right. Let's look forward to whatever damn week this is. That's right. Um. So we're gonna run through. Let's tomorrow. We got two matches. Uh, we have Man City uh, hosting Aston Villa at the one o'clock match. Yeah, that's City. Don't even need to hear the odds on that one. Mm, cool. I'm gonna take Villa, and I think it's more of me just praying to God that they trip <laughs> over something. <laughs> just please, just you know, slow. I'm like I'm like uh, Billy Madison, right? When he's when he's studying for the uh, whatever they call it, the the learn off or whatever yeah, that competition yeah. is, and the guy's reading him Spanish like the groundskeeper is, and he's like going really fast. He just goes slow down. That's how I feel right now. I don't need them to just fall off a cliff. Just slow down, please. Um, all right, so I've got you for city and. I've got me for Villa. You guys, uh, you guys travel to Fulham. Yeah, the, that's United. Yeah, yeah. You and me both. You and me both. Uh, going on to Thursday, Liverpool look to right the ways against my arch nemesis, Sean Dyche and Burnley. Just the team I want my offensive struggling club to come up against. They're those, you know, bastards. Yeah, I've got I've got Liverpool though. I can't. I, I can't I'm kind of surprised the line on this one. I mean, I, I get Burnley's not favorites, but 1400. That seems a bit hefty. Water finds its level. I mean, you know, I I think uh, as much as you with Villa and City, I'm gonna do a uh, trying to decide in my head between a draw and a win. I'm gonna take a, a Burnley draw here, and I think it's gonna be nil nil. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, this is one of those ones where it's like. You know, I'm going to bang my head against the wall, or Liverpool are going to come out and they're just going to beat the brakes off of them. You're going to go. Which, so where we, uh, where was that? What are we? What are we? That doing would almost here? be more infuriating because if it's right. if it's a, if it's another nil nil draw, you go, okay, well, I know where that came from, but right. more of the same, yes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to skip Friday. Everyone gets a day to to relax and rewind, uh, and then we show up for I don't know uh, week two, week four, week twelve matchup. Who who knows? Uh, one match, Aston Villa hosting Newcastle. Now, this this I am positive is a remake because I do remember uh, earlier in the season it was canceled. Hmm. So uh, just before, I believe it was in December. So this must be the week one or, or the week it's, 12. It's not a week one. It's, it's, yeah. it's a yeah. one of them, though. But So Villa hosts Newcastle. I've got, uh, I've got Aston Villa on this one. I have Villa as well here. All right. We're really making space here. All right, so uh, fast forward then to presumably week 19. Mm. Uh, who knows? But we have Crystal Palace, uh, Tuesday the 26th, uh, pardon me, Crystal Palace, kick things off, uh, hosting West Ham. Yeah, this is a, the odds have it pretty even here, but West Ham for me is is kind of on a tear, and I, I don't know picking against them is the right choice. Yeah, I have a draw here. Um I just it's one of those ones where like we said, you know, they're they're playing well, they're doing what they can do, but there are still some limitations. Uh do they kind of trip up? Do they look ahead? I don't think they're bad enough to drop here, but I I think the points it's a good chance it could be shared. Uh the the second one o'clock match, Newcastle is hosting Leeds. Yeah, I mean Leeds just fell apart over the last week. I mean, I don't know, but Newcastle isn't anything there. I'm going to stick with Leeds because they tend to pull out the weird matches that you won't expect from them. 
Yeah, I'm here with Leeds too, but I agree with you. You know, there was still a part where it was, you know, fun and they were cute and entertaining. It's like, well, they might lose 5-0, they might draw 5-5, but they might win 5-0. Now it's kind of like uh, they might just not do anything and lose 1-0 and yep. not be entertaining at all. They need Which is to... the exact reason we don't watch Leeds is because yeah. I don't want 1-0. I want 5-0, whether they win right. or lose. I want the 5-0. I want someone's hair on fire. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I have leads as well. I still think they have enough in them. Newcastle really needs to um they need to find what's in their underpants right now. Mm. Um they need to just really have a gut check and figure something out because not only have they been poor, they haven't looked good, like respectable in no. the least. Uh and Newcastle fans are loyal, uh arguably some of the best in in all of England. And they deserve better, uh, especially with Mike Ashley at the helm. Uh, but Steve Bruce needs to figure something out. Mm-hmm. and needs to get in their ears because they need to start playing better. Uh, I just don't think it's this weekend. No. Moving on to the later matches, uh, Southampton host Arsenal. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I think I'm going to take Arsenal. I mean, their last loss was on the 13th of December to Burnley, and they were down a man. So, um, you know, I I don't know. I, I think they might have it here. Yeah, I have Southampton, but I agree with what you're saying. When I, you know, it's just tough because do I trust Arsenal yet? No. Mm-hmm. Am I writing them off? No. Uh, Southampton have, I don't want to say they've wavered. Um, they're not flying as high, but they're still, you know, they're still top third of the table. So mm-hmm. there's there's give or take. This is, I don't want to say a referendum, but it is uh, a focal point, I'll say, probably in both of these clubs' uh, seasons where it's like, okay, you know, is someone going to continue an upward trajectory here? And is the other going to start a downward uh, or a small tailspin, if you will? Um, I want your score on this one too. Hmm. So I have Arsenal winning. Um, I I don't think they're going to blank uh, um, Southampton. Arsenal's famed for doing some three one wins, so I think that's kind of where I'm going to lean on this one. Okay. I'm going to go two nothing Southampton. I just I don't know. I I feel like Ralph will have them drilled, and I I think Arsenal struggled to get out of a second gear here. And and that's something I think we've seen with them, that if they don't get out of it quick, out of the mm-hmm. blocks quick, and and really find their groove, they can they can kind of get lost in the wash and yeah. just not not find their footing in the match at all. I mean, Aubameyang had two goals to what well, today, yesterday, today, yesterday. Uh, had a brace, uh, second half brace. So I mean, you know, is he off the mark? Is he really going to start banging him in the second half of the season? I kind of doubt it, but we'll see. And then the uh, the last match for Tuesday, the last one we're going to pick, we'll pick the rest of these up uh, next week, will be West Brom host Man City. I mean, City. Yeah. Much as I want them to fall. It ain't Sam Allardyce's uh, West Brom's not doing yeah. it for you? No, no. You know, now it's like, well, do I want West Ham to drop, or do I want Man City to drop points, or do I want Big Sam to get, you know, a snowman hung on him, eight nil or something. I don't. Just you know, 
whatever is kind of how I feel on this. Yeah. So just as a, a pulling back the curtain, I'm going to talk to you right now. So we're not picking uh, Wednesday, even though no, the so we didn't today. And, uh, yeah, whatever. We didn't today. I, it's not I'm, a real I'm, match I'm, week. Maybe yeah, it is. It. Nothing matters. You know, this is uh, the nilest Premier League podcast. Apparently, yeah, it's more about us just riffing. Yeah, this whole gets... episode was just to get the joke Danny Fig in his bottom out, and, and the rest of it doesn't mean jack. Yeah, shit, I mean that's so. all it really was. Uh, for my personal uh, benefit, uh, last week our pickums that didn't include the games today, uh, you went four and seven. I went six and five. So that was yeah, exciting. not great, not great. Now we both went off. Uh, oh, I went zero and four on the start. You went zero and five on the start. So that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't that good. Yeah, I I feel like a lot of this I'm picking with a you know I'd like to see this. Mm. Well, and, and generally we, open... we would we would probably line up the same way, so we try to help. We try to get some space somewhere. <laughs> Well, with with uh, online sports betting coming to Michigan here this Friday, thank Allah. Maybe we uh, put the chrome to our heads and force ourselves to take this a bit more seriously on it. Not going, eh? You know, it'd be nice if uh, Wolves won. I'd be like, Wolves isn't winning shit. They're yeah. terrible. I don't I care think- if I love the the English Portuguese team. Maybe maybe what we do, and this is something that we can talk about off air, is uh. So maybe we pick them all for funsies like we do now, but we pick one or two or one a day or something that we put some cheddar behind and, uh, or maybe one a week and we put, you know, all right, maybe. put either a rack on. We, Let's either go. Either that or we put, yeah. Either <laughs> that or we put, uh, put your youngest's college tuition up. Let's there go. Come hey, on, you pussy. You, you um, might be able to afford both co- kids college tuition that's right, after the that's bed. Right. So who that's knows? good thinking. The wife will surely appreciate that when mm-hmm, I come home mm-hmm, with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just stick to like a bottle of whiskey or something like that. An, an end of the year uh, accumulation. All right. Whoever is the least amount below 500. Yeah, because uh, well, it's definitely not going to be above <laughs> yeah, 500. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm a self-aware man. All right. Well, hit him, hit him with the business and uh, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. So if you guys want to uh, hit us up, you can uh, do that at topdrawerpod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on all our socials at Top Drawer Pod on Instagram, at Top Drawer Pod on Twitter, and Top Drawer Podcast on Facebook. Um, we just started and uh, we just created a Patreon account. So if you guys, uh, uh, I don't know why you would, but if you if if the Lord, if the Holy Spirit touches you in such a way that you feel like uh, contributing to this uh, 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 shit that we try to put on the internet once a week, you can do that by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com slash Top Drawer. Um, we're going to try over the, I don't know, coming weeks and months, um, to whether it's, it's, if you donate a month or a dollar a month or $5, whatever, that there's maybe some merch or some special episodes or some new content, something that you can get there. Uh, so that way you're not just donating, uh, for no reason. Um, although if you do want to do that, we appreciate it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. We'll try to figure something out here. Um, who knows? We'll try to make it just not just, you know, here's a Get. sticker of our logo. Yeah. There you go. We'll, we'll try to think of something real stupid. Um, stupid and clever at the same time, right? Mm. right. All right. Well, uh, I think, uh, think unfortunately, this week left a little bit to be desired between the two of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But as much as that probably uh, gave us some more reserve conversation, it probably took away some spitfire that probably would have been on the air. Yeah. But we have the return fixture uh, looking the rest of the way. 
So until then, uh, and if also, I don't know if you mentioned this, if anyone does figure out the uh, Chinese algebraic equation to determine what match week it is, please email mm-hmm. us. Indeed. Uh, I'd like to know uh, for future reference. Mm-hmm. But until then, I'm Adam. I'm Alex. And this is Top Drawer. <laughs>